What's going on, everybody? We're back at the Real Bodybuilding Podcast. This is episode number 92, and I'm here with Mr. Doug Miller, natural professional bodybuilder. And What's going uh, on, man? How are you, man? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I uh, I wanted to have you on because I have all the IFBB pros on. I've had uh, one professional natural bodybuilder, uh, Bob Waterhouse, and um, he's actually an IFBB pro now as well. Yep. Um, so I wanted to have you on because you're one of the most notable natural bodybuilders out there and I've seen your physique and it's absolutely incredible. And I want to, before we get started, I just want to show people your physique so they know what we're talking about, uh, before we go on. So I'm going to kind of give people a peek at your Instagram. Uh, sorry, that's not your Instagram. This is your Instagram. So this is you, <laughs> which is insane. So this is you at what, how long ago is this? uh 2014 that was the last time i competed so six years ago okay so for those of you who want to follow it's doug miller pro um on instagram and i scrolled down i saw this so this is 2014 was this the last time you competed yeah yeah the last season i competed i did one more show after this that was at the the yorton cup world championship uh after that i did do an npc show uh the jay cutler in baltimore um but yeah second so it was the second to last show I've never seen, uh, I mean, I don't follow a lot of natural bodybuilding, so maybe I'm not a good reference, but I've never yeah. seen, um, a natural pro that looks like that. Is that pretty normal for you guys? Or are you kind of a standout amongst natural bodybuilders? Um, that's a difficult question to ask. So, I mean, in, in the Instagram world, you're either a shitty natural bodybuilder or you're on drugs. So, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, it, it's a difficult question to answer because I personally think there are many natural pros out there that are just as good or better than I am. Um, and you know, it's, I mean, I, I've competed at the top levels and have won at the top levels in natural bodybuilding. Um, yeah. so I don't know if I would say it's normal. Um, but the conditioning, yeah. I mean, you see in natural guys all the time, just shredded conditioning. You know, I think that's one of the things that the top naturals really bring, um, is that conditioning, you know, sometimes they can even look harder than some of the IFBB guys. You do, you do actually, that's one of the things I noted, but, and I do see some of the natural guys bring this conditioning, but not usually with this level of muscularity. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how much do you weigh here? So for that show, I or think the show. lowest I got, like I depleted to about 191 and then carved up to probably around 200. I do like a rapid backload. So yeah. like 1200, 1500 grams of carbs the day before a show. So I literally completely fill out. So, but I got probably down to about one, right around 190 at my lightest. And then, okay, so we'll, we'll come back to that. Cause I want to touch on, on your, your prep strategy, but so this is all 100% natural. You never did anything. You never took any steroids, peptides, anything like that. GH, anything no, along sir. the way. No, sir. And what do you do when people call you out on that? Because I'm sure you've been called out on it before. Hey, my nickname is Drug Miller. So I don't know if you've heard that before. So like, it's all good. That's, that's, actually, mean, guess, that's, that's actually a good one. No, it is pretty good. I mean, I have to kind of laugh about that. Um, you know, I guess at first um, I took great offense to it. You know, like I was like, you know, would get all pissy. and But like, you know, especially the older I get, I mean, like, I don't really care what somebody else thinks. I, it only matters to me, like what I know is true. So there's going to be people, no matter what, like I'll post on my Instagram, you can see like drug test results and all of that. Nothing's good. There's always going to, Oh, well, you know, you know how to 
clear the compound in enough yeah. time to piss clean and all that stuff. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing is going to satisfy the internet. It's just not. Mm-hmm. No, that's so, true. You know, um, I mean, now, like I said before, you're either a shitty natural bodybuilder or they think you're on drugs. So I would rather them think I'm on drugs because yeah. then at least it means I'm building a good physique, you know? Um, yeah. but I, I, I really don't let it bother me at this point. I, I will admit in the beginning, it was kind of like, man, I'm working my ass off and I'm doing this naturally. And so yeah. I kind of get upset about it, but I mean, it is what it is. I, I don't, I don't really care. I don't even listen to that. So how old were you then? Like how old were you during your last show? I was 30, 35, I just turned 35. So, you, so, so are you, are you retired or is there any chance of you coming back at all? I mean, I still train and I don't want to say diet, but like essentially diet all the time, like a bodybuilder. I am a bodybuilder regardless if I compete or not, you know, I yeah, just love to yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, but now with two little kids and all these businesses, it's just, I mean, you know, the sacrifice that it takes, whether you're on drugs or not on drugs, if you want to compete at the highest level, man, you have to make some sacrifices. And I'm just at a point in my life where those other things are more important to me, but yeah. I did, there is that competitive desire in there. So yeah. I'm 41 now. Um, and I'm feeling pretty good. You know, maybe someday I'll come back, um, in the next couple of years, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'd be completely satisfied, you know, if I never competed again, um, I I've done what I wanted to do in natural bodybuilding. I would probably compete in NPC. Um, I would stay natural, but I would, you know, take the NPC route. Um, and if I decided to come back, but you know, who knows? Yeah. So I want to try and, and, and I'm always trying to bridge the gap here between scientists and bro scientists or natural and not natural, because I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know, just like, mudslinging going on it doesn't need to go on so i want to ask you when you were a natural bodybuilder when when you were more competitive and you were more into it that way were you the kind of guy that had to profess your naturalness to everybody or you just kind of went about your business no i mean like i have just as much respect for the guys that are using than the guys that don't yeah my my big thing is though if you are using don't compete where the people where you're supposed to be tested. Right. Dude. So like, yeah, 100%. I, I don't care. Like I'm not, I'm definitely not a holier than thou natural. Right. Like yeah, I know yeah. you guys still have to eat your, eat your ass off, train your ass off, all of that. Yeah. Um, and you have to be a little more ballsy too. <laughs> be, you know, put those <laughs> other things in your body. Yeah. Right. Like I'm yeah. too much of a puss, I guess, to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, I don't really, you know, I, I don't, pref- I mean, I claim a natural bodybuilder. I'm proud to be a natural bodybuilder, but yeah. like, I don't, print it all over my clothes and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, promote it that way. Why, why does, why do you think some guys, and I'm, I know I'm asking you to speak for like your whole, your whole section of bodybuilding, which probably isn't fair, but why is it that there are some guys that need, feel the need to profess that natural and, and tell everybody that they're natural? I mean, I know there's gotta be a badge of honor that comes with looking the way you looked not in a natural way. So, I mean, I do understand that, that part of it, but like you said, you don't look down on anybody else for doing what they do, but I feel like there's a large group of natural guys that do. That, that's just them, you know, portraying their insecurities, right? Yeah. Like, because they, they feel like they need to put an asterisk next to it yeah. because like, I don't look as good as X, Y, and Z because I'm natural. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I never, I don't think that way. I just don't think that way at all. And you know, this is yeah. something I've said before. It's just like a lot of natural bodybuilders, I think, um, 
put limits on what they can achieve or what they can do because they claim they're natural bodybuilders. Yeah. Um, you know, and I see it all the time, you know, so like they don't, they just don't push, they don't do certain things because they think that they're natural. They're never going to get there. They just don't, you know, they, they use it as an excuse. And, um, I think that's one of the reasons why I was successful. Like I didn't let anyone tell me I could or could not, you know, become a world champion. Like I started at 125 pounds soaking wet. Like, I mean, I was always very active, you know, skinny, like I had a six pack, you know, but like, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, like yeah. I was literally just a complete runt. Um, and that's why I didn't end up playing sports in college. Cause I just didn't have the size. Mm-hmm. So like I got into this and I just started growing and I, you know, I went all in, it's just my personality on everything. So I became yeah. obsessed with it. Like I literally live like, I still kind of do, you know, obviously there's some different things in my life now, the wife and the kids and the businesses and all that. But like, you know, I, I truly became a bodybuilder from day one when I got hooked on it and, you know, lived it 24 seven. Yeah. There's gotta be a, a whole group of people out there listening right now that want to know how you went from 125 to about 200 pounds on stage shredded and what you did to get there. So I kind of want to, I want to know how long, let's just start with this question. How long did it take you to go from 125 to 200? So I started lifting when I was 17, I guess, uh, right when I went to college. I was about 125, 130 pounds. Um, Really didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just needed a physical outlet. Um, And for my freshman year in college, I really pretty much gained maybe five pounds. I didn't know what I was doing because I didn't know the food aspect of it, right? Like I always worked hard. I just didn't know. And then I said, you know what? Something's just not working here. I mean, we're talking now, this is 1990 nine, right? There isn't much information on the internet yet. I mean, it's just really starting to get out there. So I just researched a ton of stuff myself. I was a biochemistry major. So like, I kind of used that to kind of figure things out myself, got on a couple of the underground, you know, bodybuilding forums back in the day, like the, you know, the get big forum and the uh, (laughs) muscular development, you know, all those and uh, bodybuilder.com. Um, and I just, I was like, man, the piece that I'm missing is eating. So like that Mm -hmm. summer after my freshman year, I literally every night before bed would eat about a box and a half of cereal. You know, I mean, at 18, you have high testosterone levels, all of that. Like you can just eat whatever you want. And I was working out hard. So that summer I went from like 135 or so to 165. Uh, And even then people thought I was on drugs. Were you, were you fat though? Or did you stay lean? No, I mean, I was lean. I still had a six pack throughout the whole thing. I was just growing. So right? genetic, like, so genetically your body kind of like soaked it up. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay. like, a, I would say I'm like an ectomezzo, yeah. you know, yeah. like I'm naturally skinny, but like I can definitely put on muscle. Okay. Um, and so I probably graduated college. Then, then it was slower because I wanted to make sure I stayed lean. Right. Especially in college, like you care about the ladies and looking lean and you know, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. so um, I didn't want to get fat. So I kind of slowed it down a little, probably got up to about 180. Um, first time I competed was the, the year after I graduated, I was 22. I competed at probably around high one sixties. Okay. I only dieted eight weeks. I did everything wrong because I was listening to the forums. Like I, yeah. I literally tried every, every trick under the book. I mean, I drank wine before the stage. I almost <laughs> passed out on stage. I cut my sodium like eight weeks out. Yeah. I potassium oh, loaded oh no. glycerol, you name it. I did yeah. everything wrong, but I still won. Yeah. Oh, you won. Um, okay. okay. I won. I won. It was a novice. So I won the novice overall. Yeah. I was like, Oh shit, this is cool, man. You know? And so I came back the next year and won an overall and got my pro card. So I was like 23, 24. And then I was competing like another, I was putting on about five pounds of muscle a year, five, six pounds of muscle a year. Yeah. Um, and then obviously it slows down after that. 
So, you know, I guess 2007, I competed. I was probably got down to, I was more like one eight in the one eighties. And then I got to one ninety. And then the last time I competed and I would take time off. I think that's key. Like I haven't, I've competed a lot, but it was over a period of time and I would definitely take a year off in between. Um, so from the, the transformation picture that you posted there, that was 12 years difference. So that was from my first show at 22 to my last show at 35. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was probably a good 20, 25 pounds, 20, 25 pounds difference yeah. over 12 yeah. years. Um, so it was a long, slow process and it definitely, you gain real fast. And then obviously it, your gains are going to, you know, as you get closer to your, you know, genetic potential, you're going to slow down a little bit, but, um, but you know, a good dozen years to put on really that size. And this is yeah. like, I wouldn't take a week off. Like even when I would go on vacation or if I went skiing or whatever, I would still work out. I find a gym and I'd work out. Yeah. I still ate like a bro all the time. Um, you know, so it was, that's 12 years of dedicating my life completely yeah. to it. Yeah. I, I, the thing is five pounds of muscle a year is good. Even for guys that are on, mm-hmm. like I know guys who are on, who don't put on five pounds of muscle a year. And it's usually cause they're doing everything wrong, but yeah. it almost sounds like you're genetically kind of made for it. Right. Like, I mean, to put on five pounds of muscle a year naturally and, you know, eat the food you're eating and stay lean. I mean, you're kind of built for the sport. Would you yeah. say? Yeah. I mean, I'm five, I'm five, nine. I'm not too tall. I'm probably a good height. Like some yeah. of the short bodybuilders have t- like a hard time too. So yeah. it's probably like five, nine is a pretty solid, you know, cause I can put on some size, but I'm not going to be too lanky. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I do have good genetics for it obviously, but um, it, I think my biggest genetic aspect is like, you know, the, the hustle behind it, right? Like yeah. the mindset behind it is like probably the most important thing. I think, the biggest thing for bodybuilders, everyone says diet's so important, diet's so important. And sure it is to an extent, but everyone knows how to diet, right? Like they know yeah. macros, they know chicken and rice is a good thing, broccoli, you know, yeah, like all yeah. that. So there's not, there's not really too much variation there, but the big differentiator is, is the training, you know? And yeah. so I've been so intense for so long that I think that's really what helps separate like a good bodybuilder from a really good bodybuilder. I want to get into your training and I want to get into your diet as well, but it's the consistency I'm wondering about. How crazy were you? You seem to me, yeah, I was going to say like having running a business and having two kids and all the things you're doing. And I'm going to assume that you were nuts. <laughs> yeah. So before I got into running businesses, I was doing economic litigation consulting. So okay. like I was working, what that means is I was okay. working with a bunch of attorneys downtown, literally like a block from the white house. Yeah. And I was working 80 hour weeks. Okay. And I said from day one, when I took that job, I got the job right out of school. I said, listen, I'm going to go home at five and I'm going to work out. If you need me to come back, I'd come back. So a yeah. lot of times if it was an 80 hour work week. I would go, I work an eight hour day. I'd go train and then I'd come back and work another eight hour day. Holy shit. Um, okay. You know, and I, at that point in time, I was also um, sometimes training twice a day. Like I was obsessed for a while, you know, like I, especially arms you know, I would train like biceps in the morning or triceps in the morning and come back and train, uh, the other one at night. Yeah. Um, I would split that up and do crazy stuff like that. I mean, I was single, I was young. Like I didn't really, I had no interest in like getting, you know, putting a ring on it with anybody. Like I wasn't really looking for a girlfriend to take up all my time. You know, I was just really into making, you know, my situation, the best it could be, you know, I was really selfish at the end of the day. Like, you know, how selfish the sport is. I was super selfish. Um, you know, it wasn't probably till I met my wife when I was 
in my mid twenties that I kind of chilled out a little bit, you know, and didn't yeah. get so obsessive over it. So, um, I think I have a much healthier perspective through time, but you know, if you want to be great at something, if you want to be the best in the world at something, you kind of have to be a little crazy and you have to be a little obsessive. And I tell people now bodybuilding at that level is not for everyone, you know, and I, I actually discourage a lot of people from competing if their house isn't in order. What I mean by that is like, do you have a stable job? Do you have a stable relationship with somebody who supports you? Because, you know, like if you're going to do it right, you're going to go all in and you need that support and you need that stability. If you don't, you're shit's going to go bad in all aspects of your life. Yeah. Were you as crazy with the diet? Cause I mean, a lot of people work those kind of, well, don't work that many hours, but they work long hours and they're always like, well, my work got in the way. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. That's just, that's just bullshit. I'm sorry. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> like you, if you really want to do something, you will always find a way like, and that goes for anything, whether, whether it's bodybuilding or not, like how long, I mean, like literally I would take two hours on a Sunday, you know, instead of watching football or doing something like that to cook my food for the week. It wasn't that difficult. Yeah. Um, when you, when, so, when sorry to interrupt you yeah. when you cook, I'm always mesmerized by that. So explain to me how that works. You cook your food on Sunday for two hours. Are you cooking a full week's worth of food? Yeah, pretty much. And well, sometimes more. So I'd either, if depends if it's like later in the week or in the beginning of the week, in the beginning of the week, I just put the stuff in the refrigerator. So I was big on turkey burgers, you know, weighed out individually, chicken breasts. I would just throw a ton in a crock pot and then, yeah. you know, weigh them out as I pull it out. And yeah. I'd baggy them up individually and literally throw them in my fridge or throw them in my freezer. And then I would do just like frozen veggies and like, you know, like the rice packets, you know? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So like, yeah. There's no excuse. I pull the frozen vegetables out of the freezer, the rice packets out of the cabinet, and then I have my meat. And then obviously like protein shakes and oatmeal and stuff like that is easy. Um, yeah. So like I always had food and I always so, prepped. Um, so you cook. So let's say you cook a week's worth of chicken. You're leaving what, four days in the fridge and you're freezing the other three days. Cause it's not going to, it's not going to stay good for the full week. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, for chicken, I would do, multiple crock pots, like a big ass crock yeah. pot and throw yeah. dozens of chicken breasts in there with a little bit of barbecue or teriyaki, whatever I was, yeah. Yeah. you know, wanted to yeah. spice it up with. And then I would weigh it out into individual Ziploc bags and throw it in the freezer. Okay. And then I just pull them out the night before they're already weighed out. I are, every bag is six ounces. I know that. Right. Because yeah. that's the way I weighed them out and put them in there, yeah. pull them out, put them in the fridge the night before they thaw out overnight and I'm good to go. Just throw them in some Tupperware with those other things and mm -hmm. I'm good. So like that, I mean, I could, I could cook two or three weeks ahead of time on that stuff. Really? Um, usually I'd like to cook turkey burgers, you know, once a week, just, and honestly, if you cook them on Sunday, they're going to be good till Friday. Some people are yeah. really picky about that. I know I have, I know some people that don't care and they'll I'm, eat them I'm, like two I'm, weeks later. I'm like that. I can't, I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. After like five just do days. Do the smell like, test, man. Yeah. That's what do I do. Little, that's what yeah. I do. But after five days, I'm like, it's, it's, I can't do it. It's yeah. No, I mean like, that was good enough for me, you know, and knock on wood, I never, I never, never got, got sick. sick. And so yeah. I just, yeah, I just knock it out one day and I was good. So, you know, that's interesting. So you're not a food guy at all. Like you don't care. Obviously you didn't care about taste. Um, I can't say that. I mean, I love food just as much as the next bro, bro out there. You so know, I'm a sushi guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I love sushi. I love going out for a good steak, you know, all that. But honestly, for the most part during the week, I like the routine. I like, yeah. I, I kind of like the monotony. Yeah, sure. I'll go out and, you know, go out to eat and stuff like that. But 
I kind of like being in that routine and kind of just staying on it. And that really helped me, you know, like knowing what I was going to eat and not having to fight for it every day. Yeah. I've said that before, you know, there's a lot of people like, Oh, don't you get sick of the same foods all the time? And, and I need some variation in my diet and all this stuff. And I'm kind of like you that way in a sense that I like knowing exactly what I'm going to eat. Yeah. Like I don't mind doing chicken and rice every day. It doesn't bother me. I don't mind doing steak and rice. I don't mind. I don't need to have a different variation every single day. And I feel like it just complicates things. And it also yeah. makes it harder for preparation. Like you said, I mean, if I'm going to, if I'm going to prepare a different food for every meal, I'm going to be in the kitchen all day long, every day. So, yeah, I mean, who has time for that? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, even now I do the same thing. I do it a little bit differently. I probably cook twice a week just cause I have a little more time and I just, I eat the same. I just had Turkey, a white rice and broccoli before this call. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. but I mean, I throw stuff on it. I throw some, like sometimes throw some cheese or some sriracha or, you yeah. know, and spice it up you know, it doesn't have to taste like crap. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I'm, I do that now. Like I just, I don't want to have to fight for food. Right. Yeah. Like I, I want to make sure that I have the food that I need. Yeah. So the biggest question I want to ask you is your strategies for natural bodybuilding. Cause a lot of times, you know, we try and give advice on the podcast or on my Instagram, whatever. And people will say, well, you're different because you're on, you're enhanced. And if you're yeah. enhanced, I'm going to grow muscle differently. And I'm like, I don't know if it's that different. You know, I, when I spoke to Bob Waterhouse, he was like, I can't, he kind of did everything exactly the same way we did. So I want to ask you the same question is what are your off seasons? Like, like when you're trying to build muscle, are you still bulking? Or are you eating really clean, trying to stay lean all year? So I'm, I'm a fan of always looking like a bodybuilder right okay. like regardless so yeah i will still be 20 pounds or more over like stage weight right yeah. you know i'm probably right now 212 in the morning something like that yeah um you know the heaviest i would get up to would be maybe 220 mm -hmm. um but i like to stay relatively lean and just do it gradually like i'm not a big believer in bulking all out I think yeah. there is actually a time for that, maybe when you're younger, but especially when you're in your late thirties, early forties, yeah. the point of putting on that weight, the extra stress on your joints, is just not worth it. Yeah. Uh, so for me now, I actually like to stay lean and I'm actively trying to gain a little weight now. And, uh, it's just a slow gradual. I mean, I'm talking like, and if you put on a half a pound or pound a month over the course of a year, that's six or 12 decent pounds, right. In theory. Yeah. So like, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I give people a guidance, take it slow and steady um, and not to, not to bulk up or do any of that. And in terms of like strategies, I, I was always guilty of training like a bro and I don't want to say guilty, like it's a negative thing. And, you know, some science will show that like, yeah, you, you can maybe maximize hypertrophy if you're hitting multiple, you know, a body part multiple times a week that gives you more opportunities to, opportunities to grow. Yeah. I will tell you some of the best gains that I ever made and I'm training body parts twice a week now, but uh, some of the best gains I've made in the last 20, 25 years of training have been when I was on a bro split six yeah. days a week, one body part a day training completely like a bro. And I've done all, that was my split for all of my contest breaths. We call it a, uh, we call it a pro split. We call it a pro split on this channel. There you go. <laughs> well, cause that's what, well, no, because think about what you just said. This is why I call it a pro split. It's every single pro bodybuilder that I know almost does that split because it works, but yep. somehow, and this is one of the things about modern, modern day research on the internet is there's all these new theories and things that used to be very valuable that everybody does. And they work all of a sudden become, uh, you know, they become mocked like, Oh, it's a bro split. It's a, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, 
it's worked for thousands of bodybuilders. And now you're telling me that's kind of your best gains too. So. Yeah. I yeah. mean, in, in, the, in a lab, in, you know, under research circumstances, you know, they try to replicate real life, but a lot of times it just doesn't work out that way. So I like to look at the research. I like to see what is out there. And, you know, I like to take advice or at least listen to some other people of what has worked for them and then apply it myself and then figure out what, what works best for me. And I've tried a bunch of different stuff. I've tried all sorts of training, different training splits. You know, I, I don't coach people now just cause I don't have the time or the bandwidth, but I used to train like hundreds and hundreds of people every year. And a lot of time I would switch them from some other, you know, crazy, not crazy, but like another training split, like a max yeah. OT training split or, yeah. um, you know, whatever. And I put them more on a traditional high volume pro split. Right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, like they're just shocked, you know, and then I, you know, make them sure that they're not scared to eat, feed them a little bit over maintenance and look what happens. You train yeah. hard, you train with a lot of volume and you eat and you recover. Look, you grow, you get harder, you get like a harder look to your muscles. And so I've taken that approach with natural trainers, you know, like natural bodybuilders. I would say 99.9% of the people I've trained were natural, or maybe some of them were on TRT, but yeah. Um, cause I couldn't help the others. I couldn't give like cycle advice with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, and it, and it worked and, you know, I, I know there's some good science out there for other methods and other methods work, but I know what has worked well for me. Um, and for the most part, it's training like a bro. And like I said earlier, the big thing that differentiates a good, a good from a really good bodybuilder is training. You know, yeah. it's the intensity in training. Everyone really kind of knows how to diet, I think. Yeah. But can people really get into that mode of being uncomfortable? I mean, you look at the great bodybuilders, whether they're natural or they're enhanced, they all kind of train like a badass. Yeah. They yeah. really do. They do crazy shit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's true. Like I said, whether you're natural or enhanced. I think it's, uh, it's funny. Everybody says it's when I get someone on here, they'll either say, like you're saying, well, everybody knows how to diet. It's the training or somebody else will come along and say, <laughs> everybody knows how to train. It's the diet. I think people just don't know in general. Like there's, I think it's both to be honest with you. Cause the more people I talk to, the more I realize it's kind of both things need to be just leveled up, but going back sure. to your, but going back to your training. So if you're training one day, one day, one body part a day, what is the intensity you're talking about? Is it super high volume? Is it super heavy weight? Like, what are you, what is the, what is the distinction in your training versus other natural guys? High volume, heavy, heavy weight, high rep. I know that sounds just completely idiotic, but no. um, I, I train a lot. I, or I, po I, I was doing this training Tuesday where I'd make a, I post, you can go back on my Instagram and check it out. I would repost, you know, I've logged my training for the last 25 years. It's crazy. I got a stack of notebooks like this high. That's how OCD I am. I still do it. Um, and so I would just kind of pick a random day and then post it every Tuesday. Um, I probably stopped when COVID hit at the end of last year. There was a year or two where I was doing it. I might start it back up. But um, they, you know, people would look at my training and I have like just a ton of, I train a lot of 20 rep sets. That's just yeah. what I do. And so it's not like it's a lightweight. Like I'm not putting like that. I think I'm, we're looking at the pitch shark here. That's not like, three plates on there. That's probably like no, that's, that's a, seven that's a or lot, so plates. And I try to do it for 20 reps. Right. Yeah. So like I do a lot of high rep training. It's just kind of the way I've morphed into like my training through the years. It's just become a higher rep thing. Yeah. I can do a heavy weight for a lot of reps and that's where I perform well. I can't, you know, I'm not a power lifter though. Like you asked me to, you know, 
squat 600 pounds, I could get crushed, but you know, I could put a, a lighter weight that is still pretty impressive and knock out 20 reps, you know, this is just the way, but this isn't light by any means. I mean, you got like eight no. plates on there. Yeah. And you're going to knock so, that up for 20. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you've it's conditioned, just, you've conditioned your body to do some crazy shit. I don't know. I don't see people lift, you know, I do some, uh, some high volume stuff on legs, but yeah. Um, yep. generally I don't do a lot of like high rep stuff. Do you do that for all your body parts or is it just legs? Uh, legs, especially, um, but and legs and back. And those are probably two of my stronger, my stronger body parts, um, legs and back. I've always just trained a higher rep and it's usually because like I, and this, I don't want this to sound like, Oh, I'm so strong because that's not the case, but like I can usually put the stack on a, on, you know, a lap pull down or a row and do 20 reps with it. This yeah. was probably my best deadlift set ever. So I got, this was in Australia on a tour. I did. How many uh, places is that? Six or five? That's, that's five plays. I did 25 reps in the set. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. So like that, that was my, probably my yeah. best deadlift set at all time. I had a lot of people there like yelling at me and you know, like you get, the motiv- on, you get the motivation you get was, stupid stuff. Yeah. The motivation yeah. was high. Yeah. So, so I mean like I, I'm the, one of my famous videos out there is the like four or five deadlifts for, I think like 32 or something like that. So yeah. Um, but you, again, you asked me to deadlift 700 pounds and you know, <laughs> I'd probably be crushed. So, yeah, but it looks yeah. like it'd be something you could work up to. I mean, if you can do 500 for 25, it yeah. seems, seems like you get to 700 for five or something like that. You know what I mean? Or even yeah, more. If I, if I, tra- if I train for that, right. Like, yeah. and I just love feeling just like completely white. I think these are just some kind of cheap pen lay rows. I think that might be like four that's, or five or that's something. That's still impressive with four plates. Yeah. So. I mean, I love the feeling of just completely leaving it all in the gym. So like training like a bodybuilder or, or training like a power lifter would just bore the shit out of me. It really would. Um, and so like, and also I don't want to risk getting injured, you know, doing one rep stuff. This so. is you 27 weeks ago, July 20th. Uh, yeah. This, this was this summer. Yep. Dude, your arms are still massive. You still look like you could compete. Um, I mean, I, I'm probably at this weight, I'm probably in the best condition I've been in, um, at two twelve. So yeah, like, this is really, really good, but I'm not really like dieting at this point. Right. Like I, you know, I, I do track my stuff, but like, I just, you know, the older you get, the less you just want to eat a lot of food. How, so, often, how, I, how often do you eat shitty food? That's what I want to know. And look that good. Shitty food. Um, I mean, I don't know. I get to, depends on what you say. Shitty. Like I don't just go all out and just eat burgers and fries. But like every Friday is date night with my wife. So we go and crush sushi every Friday night. Um, you know, I'll go out with the, take the kids to Chick-fil-A or something like that, you know, but um, get a great steak and potato, you know, at a good steakhouse, something like that. But I don't, um, I don't do crazy like. Um, so you don't cheat. Like, it sounds like you don't eat anything bad at all. Um, <laughs> probably not for the, for a normal person. I would say that is probably, they would probably say that. Um, you know, but I, if I want something, I'll have something like I'll have some pecan pie, you know, when it's Thanksgiving time, like I don't deprive myself. If there's something I want, I'll eat it. Um, but at the end of the day, like I just enjoy eating, you know, good, clean food. So, um, yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm starting to get a picture of, of what it is now of why, why you're, so there's obviously a massive genetic, genetic component here because I mean, you, you look great and the strength is there and the, the proportions are there. Like everything's there. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you seem a little crazy in a good way. Like you have that, you have that good bodybuilding crazy. You know what I mean? Like I do, yeah. I do, I don't know how many pro bodybuilders, you know, but um, I do a show with Ian Valier and uh, James Hollingshead 
And mm-hmm. to, to me, they're both crazy, but it's a good yep. crazy. It's like, they don't miss meals. They don't really eat a lot of junk. They don't, and they just live that lifestyle hundred percent of the time. Right. Yeah. So it seems like you having not competed for five years, you're still kind of just living that lifestyle. It's just the way you like to live. <laughs> I think my, my wife would probably agree with you. I am crazy, yeah. but I will say not in a obsessive, unhealthy way at this point yeah. in my life. Yeah. I would say absolutely. There were periods of time in my life when shit, I wanted to be the best in the world. And I didn't, I didn't give a crap, man. I, if I had to bring my Turkey and broccoli, you know, in a Tupperware and take it in the middle of a boardroom meeting, when I was working a corporate job, I'd do it. I didn't care. Wow. Right? Like, um, it's just what I did. And, um, I think there was definitely a period of time where it was unhealthy, but like I said earlier, if you want, you look at anyone who's done anything great in anything, business, um, fitness, whatever, they are pretty freaking crazy, man. You know, like they, they, they make sacrifices and I certainly did that. Now I'm at a point in my life, especially, you know, I have a four and seven year old boy and they, they have taught me a lot of perspective. Um, and I think I have a great perspective on things now. I don't let stuff bother me. Um, and to be honest with you, even like when I first met my wife, she kind of had me loosen up a little bit and chill out. I mean, she's into it too. You know, she's one figure world championships and she, but I mean that she hasn't had an urge to compete for a long time. You know, she's mama mode right now. Um, but so she got it, but she also helped me loosen up and I'll tell you, there's a fine line. Like you need to be obsessive and like really focused. I think what I would say, but you can also very quickly cross the line where it becomes unhealthy and just the amount of cortisol that you raise on your, you know, yourself stressing out over a missed meal or all that, is worse than the actual miss meal itself. And, yeah. you know, I know there's guys out there and uh, definitely girls out there that mm-hmm. will freak out, you know, if things are not going exactly hundred percent their way. But like, if you just take a little bit of perspective and just calm down and relax, like you're not going to lose five pounds of muscle because you missed a meal. It just, just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, you'd be much better off. And I think, um, especially in the last, you know, since I last competed, I think I have a great perspective. If there's something I want to eat, I eat but I still do what I love. I will always be a bodybuilder. I'll be that old dude, 70 years old, you know, probably wearing Otomics and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and the, you know, in the gym, you know, yeah. when I get older, cause I love to do it, you know? And, um, you know, everyone that's around me and in, in these businesses and stuff also have that same passion, regardless of whether we compete or not. Cause to be yeah. honest with you, I've been turned off by some competition lately. Just, yeah because it can ruin, I've seen it ruin lives. Like I've seen it ruin lives and it's just really sad to me because it's not worth it at the end of the day. And in, in what um, way, in what, in what way do you, have you seen that? So I've seen it in just people becoming so selfish and obsessive mm. with it. You know, the, some of the traits that I had when I was younger. And so like, I think I have a good perspective on it. Yeah. it they lose their job. They lose their marriage. Like I've had multiple clients, maybe cause I'm a jerk coach or something, you know, that, have ended up breaking up with their wife or their longtime girlfriend or their fiance over bodybuilding. I'm like, dude, you know, a fraction of a percent of the people out there make a living on bodybuilding, right? Like Mm -hmm. do it because you love it. Do it because it's a good outlet and it can be healthy and it's a good hobby, but don't become so obsessed with bodybuilding because it's not like the end all be all. And I think I have created a, a, a pretty good perspective, at least, you know, I think, uh, at this point in time in my life. It kind of leads me to a question though, is when you were doing your, when you were at your best or when you were competing, you seemed to be a little bit unbalanced in Mm -hmm. your life. Your, your life seemed to be focused on that. We've had this, 
we had a really yep. big debate on the show a, a while back about balance and about if you can be balanced and be great. And it's always been my perspective that you can't be the best unless you're a little bit unbalanced. Like, you know, if you can't have balance and be the greatest at the same time. If I don't like to, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I probably agree with that. I don't like to make such yes and no, like clear statements. Very that. Black, I, yeah. I, it is pretty black and white. Like, I don't want to yeah. say you can't, but it would be very, very difficult. And so yeah. the way I've taken my approach to balance is a much longer term approach. And so part of one of the reasons why I would not compete every year is because one, I wanted to grow, yeah. you know, it takes time to grow. I mean, if you diet, I diet for six months leading up to a show. I die for six months. I also reverse out of a show correctly. I don't just get fat, right? It'll take me six months to put all that weight back on. Maybe not as much, four to six yeah. months. Yeah. That's a year right there. Like I'm yeah. not growing really in that time. So I need some time to grow, but I also need to top, time to grow in other areas of my life. Mm-hmm. And so that's why like I would always, I mean, I made the most gains between 2009 and 2014. I didn't compete in that time period. I took five years off because I was focused on actually, um, leaving my full-time job, I was focused on starting my own business to set up a longer term plan for myself. Yeah. And so I was always a bodybuilder during that time. Right. But like competing is definitely for me, I'm in a different mindset. Like I'm all in obsessive. And I think you are probably right. Like you really have to be a little bit obsessive and I've taken a more balanced approach. Like I love bodybuilding, but it's definitely not, I don't even want it to define me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when I die, I want people to say, yeah, he was a great bodybuilder, but you know, he was an awesome father an awesome husband and an awesome leader to the people that, you know, who worked for him. So like that is way more important to me now. And I've created a longer term balance. There are times when you need to, you know, bury your head in the sand, you know, dig in and just hustle and go all in. But there's also times where, you know, you, you got to kind of take a step back yeah. and um, kind of slow down your pace a little bit. And I think if you do that on a, you know, if you look at that on the longer term perspective, I think it can be more healthy because if you're going to, you can't have balance if you want to try to win a world championship, yeah. you know, and you're going to diet for six months. If yeah. you have balance, somebody else doesn't have balance and they're going to beat you. That's right. Um, so for me, I, I, like I said, balance is a longer term perspective for me. Yeah. But I like, I like your, your answer because it's actually the kind of one answer nobody really brought up when we were, when we were debating it is it's a longer term balance. Cause I kind of do that actually now that you mention it is, you know, when it's time, when it's contest season, everything's shut right down. Yep. And then in the off season, there's a little bit more freedom, a little bit more, you know, going out with the wife for dinner and all these different yep. things. So I, I would still say overall, it's hard. Like, let me ask you this in your business, right? You own, you own a supplement company, obviously the correct, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we own a couple of brands and a couple, you know, we have retail stores and do a bunch of stuff. So why don't we, we'll, we'll come back to that, but how many, how many businesses do you own? Uh, about 15. How do you find balance with 15 businesses? <laughs> That's a perfect, I mean, because it's not, because I've told people before, I said, you know, when, when this whole thing came up, I said, you know, balance, it's not just bodybuilding. If you want to be great, if you want to be great anywhere, right? So yeah you know, my brother owns a few businesses and, you know, I see the way he works or has worked to get to where he is now. And I think when you're trying to reach a level or exceed something or, or break through a plateau, that's the toughest time to have balance. So having 15 businesses, do you have balance? So 
again, this is very similar to my bodybuilding. I would say, yes, I have balance now because I have taken a longer term perspective on balance. Sure. So for, there was a period of time where I was working, like I said, 80 hours a week working for the man. I was training for a world championship and I was starting at that time, you know, 10, 15 years ago, getting my own businesses going as a side hustle. Yeah. So I was all in then. That was obviously before kids, right? And I had a very supportive wife who was all in on it as well, which is very important. Um, And so I was able to bury my head in my sand. And, you know, one of the things we, we didn't have kids until my wife was about 35 because we wanted to set ourselves up. And maybe it wasn't intentional, but we, we weren't ready before that because we were setting ourselves up for a longer term balance in my opinion. So, and I think the key is, um, I'm very blessed to have a lot of great people here, uh, just working with me. And I think one of the reasons I've been able to attract certain people and the quality of people is because of my passion and maybe my not so balanced uh, perspective on things. Like I'm all in when there's something I want to do, I'm all in. Right. And so like, I think people feed off of that passion. And so again, my balance in business right now is the same as my balance was in bodybuilding. I think there was periods of time where I know I need to dig in and make sacrifices. You know, I have to travel. I might have to travel two weeks in in a row and go to Australia and be away from the kids or something, but that sets up a longer term relationship down there, helps the business grow. And that might be less, you know, more opportunities for us in the future for me to work less at some point in time. Yeah. Right. So I just take that perspective and, you know, I'm thankful for the opportunities put in front of me and I just make a decision at that moment. Is this going to pay off, you know, in the future? And if it is, then, you know, I'm going to invest my time into it. And if it isn't, if I'm just doing it just to maybe make somebody else happy or something like that, I just don't do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the long-term perspective on balance. Any okay. other way I would just blow my brains out. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It makes a lot more sense. It is a nuanced. It is a nuanced topic. It's not really a, a black and white. Um, going back to bodybuilding, I want to ask: Have you ever? And this may be a silly question, but when I look at your physique and you have the genetics and all those other things, did you ever consider going the enhanced route? Absolutely. I think anyone really? who would say really? otherwise. I didn't that. Yeah, I, didn't I mean. Care. Anybody like, I, and I can't say anybody because there are some people that are holier than, than thou naturals, right? Yeah. Um, would never think about because they never think about it. But come on, I grew up reading like I get my workouts from Flex Magazine from Ronnie Coleman and yeah. you know yeah. and, and Kevin and Dorian and all these people, right? Like, and the only bodybuilders I knew when I first started were like those guys. They yeah. were clearly enhanced, right? Yeah. And so there was definitely a curiosity, but I think there was a couple things that kind of pushed me like. One is I didn't, you know, and I knew some like local bodybuilders or saw some local bodybuilders that would look amazing when they're competing and then look like complete trash, you know, when they, you know, I don't really consider them real bodybuilders. They were kind of like weekend bodybuilders, right? They would get ready for a show, do it, and then just completely fall off, go off the drugs, go off the training, go off the diet, live it all the time. And they would look like crap. And I didn't want to go down that route. I've also seen it, you know, affect people. Like, I don't know if I would mentally be able to uh, take the looking amazing and competing at that level. And then, you you know, you can't stay on all the time. Um, Well, I guess some people do, but I mean, like (laughs) you really, you really shouldn't. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, um, or at least at some crazy level and, you know, at the end of the day, like you, it's not, it's not a realistic look or sustain, I should say sustainable look for the long term, for the long term. And at the end of the day, like, 
I don't want to die early. Right. Like I, oh, I owe it to my, and you see it too much now, I, you know, it's a terrible topic and it's sad and you know, it just, it kills me to see it, but like, you know, it can definitely abusing it can definitely shorten your life. I mean, anybody who denies that is just denying they're just crazy. Right. So, and so like, I, I wanted to have a longer term, you know, perspective on it. I wanted to look good like all the time. And I didn't want to have the yo-yo of going on and coming off and all that. And at the end of the day, it was illegal. And like I said, I'm kind of too much of a puss. Like I, I don't like needles and I don't, you know, I just, you know, I don't want to get arrested. I guess I'm a little bit too, uh, you know, yeah. uh, vanilla at that point. So there's a, so there was some pros and cons, but the cause there was only really one pro for you, which is it would be cool to be that big, but I don't want to do all yeah. these other things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What about, yeah, I mean, I think, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, like, it's kind of funny, like in our, we have a pretty sweet home gym and I have these little boys that are down there and we have pictures of, you know, I got pictures of, of flex and, you know, sign and like, yeah. you know, uh, Ronnie and, you know, yeah. Jose and all these guys up there. And they're just kind of like, you know, just asking me questions yeah. about how these guys so big It's it's such a difficult conversation, but I've started it early. I was like, well, you know, they do use, you know, some of them use drugs and, you know, it can be dangerous and, you know, all of that. Yeah. And it's just, it's really funny to see a seven-year-old like take that in. Uh, well, what about you, daddy? Do you use drugs? You have big muscles, you know, like, you think it's kind of early to tell them about that or no? I, I'm always honest with them. Like if they ask me anything, like uh, that's kind of been my thing. Like I will, um, you know, I try to not make it so like he's a bad man. Like I, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. clarify everything. Right. Like, so I say, Oh, he's a really good dude. Like, I, I really like that guy. You know, he's just, uh, you know, and I'll just, I'll just tell him like, he's, they, they're what we call enhanced. And my seven-year-old's pretty smart. Like my four-year-old wouldn't get it, but like, and uh, he'll just kind of take it in and just kind of understand. And I was like, you know, it can be dangerous, you know, and I just chose not to go that route. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and I literally will say to him, it doesn't make them a bad person, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. just the decision they made. And I think, yeah. It, and that's just the perspective I've taken on fatherhood is like, always tell the truth. If you, if you start like hiding things, it's just, it creates just this, this like weird relationship, but I also have to give them perspective so they, they don't have like, yeah. take my biases or something like that. Right. Yeah. Like they need yeah. to make their own decision, you know, yeah. when they get older. Yeah. What would you do since we're talking about kids, what would you do if your son wanted to bodybuild or do it and do it and with, by being enhanced would you be like would you be like it's okay or would you be like no that's not gonna happen uh not when he's living under my roof at like eight you know under 18 like yeah, at the end yeah. of the day like he's gonna go off to college probably right like well who knows the way, the way college is going these days i you know i don't need that's a whole other topic for conversation yeah. um but you know he's gonna go off on his own and have he's gonna be faced with the same decisions that i've made and i just hope that we've raised him the correct way that like you know, he does his research if he's going to do it, yeah. you know, and, you know, for me personally, because I have made that decision for my life. Yeah. You know, And again, I don't judge other people, but like, that's just kind of the route that I've taken as my son. I would hope he would kind of see that, yeah. you know, you can be successful and do other things maybe without doing that, that will be a little bit healthier for you. Yeah. But if he doesn't like at the end of the day, like he's the one that's going to have to pay that price, right? Like yeah. I can't always be there for him. Mm -hmm. um you know and i think i think he's got to make that decision for himself i think kids yeah. these days are way too sheltered and way too pampered and 
you know, mommies and daddy are always trying to protect them from everything. And so like, I try to raise them in a way that they can protect themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully that makes sense. Um, when you started competing, did you think, I know you don't, you didn't want to go down the enhanced route, but did you also consider like, is there money in natural bodybuilding? Is there sponsorships in natural bodybuilding? It's not, I mean, I've, I've made a pretty good living myself and I've been pretty comfortable all because of bodybuilding. And I just wondered, do natural guys make money doing this kind of thing or no? I think the most I've made my last season, I think I made, and this is winning like overall, multiple overall, um, in the pro division, I think maybe I made 10 or 15 grand or something like that. Yeah. So like my expenses were higher than that. Yeah. So it's like, no, there's no money in it, but I will say that I wouldn't be where I am today in the other businesses without probably doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, that really helped grow my businesses. Um, but I don't think that's for everyone. And I don't think that that's, really why you should be necessarily bodybuilding. You should be doing it because you love it because it does, it is such a big sacrifice. Um, but yeah, like I, people are not really making money. It's, it's indirectly, right? Like I had a great coaching business before I decided that it was not something that I wanted to like, I had something had to give. So I had to give something up, but like, I mean, it was a six figure coaching business that I just yeah. kind of said, oh, okay, I'm going to stop doing this now. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that, that grew a hundred percent. That was successful because of my success in natural bodybuilding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like you can certainly make money if you're smart, right? Like if you can um, kind of leverage your success in natural bodybuilding. And I think there's some great people out there that, you know, kind of have done it. Yeah. Um, but they might not even be like the best bodybuilder, but you know, like Lane Norton and you know, these, some of these other guys that have done great things, but that's not necessarily cause they're just a, like the best bodybuilder, but they've kind of leveraged their passion and have turned it into a business in yeah. you know, some way, whether it's coaching or whether it's, you know, who knows supplements or apps or whatever. Well, I wanted to ask though about, about sponsorships. I mean, I'm sure there was, you know, the, the money you said you made, that was probably from earnings from winning shows yeah. or yeah. Yep. But is there sponsorships in natural bodybuilding? Like are companies sponsoring people and giving them salaries? Um, not like the salaries that, that you're thinking. I mean, uh, we, yeah. we sponsor some natural athletes, um, but a lot of theirs are, um, you know, some, it, it's complicated, but some of them are more of like a kickback based type of thing. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. you're not seeing somebody sign, you're not seeing natural bodybuilders sign, you know, $5,000 a month contracts, you yeah, know, with supplement yeah. companies what you might see is an influencer who happens to be a natural bodybuilder. Yeah. Somebody who has half a million or a million IG followers, that is way more valuable probably on direct sales than, you know, a natural bodybuilder. Yeah, like we, we sponsor some world champion natural bodybuilders. They have like maybe 400 Instagram people and we do it just because of our passion and our love for the sport. Yeah. But like, we're not making any money off of them. You know, it's, we're just kind of giving back. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. so there really isn't, you're much better off as a company, as a business person sponsoring somebody who just has more quote unquote influence right out there than you are a natural bodybuilder. And there are some natural bodybuilders out there that like, you know, they have a good reach, but it's the reach isn't just because they've won some big, you know, show or something is they do more than that. They provide good content or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I want to go to X's and O's before we get, I want to touch on your business businesses too, but I want to get to a couple X's and O's questions. So when you were saying the off season, you said you like to stay pretty lean all year round. What is yep. your strategy? Are you a high fat guy? How high carb guy? Are you a balance like 40, 40, 20? 
what is your is, what's your approach in the off season? Yeah, you know, pretty 40, 40, 20. I, I'm pretty bro on the protein. Like I probably eat more protein than I need to. You know, I'm a good gram and a half per pound of body weight. Yeah. That's just I, I love protein, yeah, right? Like and, yeah. You know, and uh so I, I'm a bro when it comes to protein. I really do like fats, probably around twenty-five percent. Yeah. Um you know, upping my getting, going from like an 18 to a 20 to a 25, I actually notice a difference. My joints feel better. Sex drives better. All of that's better. So like, I really like to have people around 25% for fat and then just fill in your carbs based on, you know, what are your total calorie, like caloric intake needs at the time. So, so you, like, I, I go ahead. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. So when you're building a diet, are you building out the protein and the fats first? Yeah. And then you're filling yeah. in your carbs. Yep. See, that's, I think most people do the opposite. I think most people do their protein and their carbs, and then they add a little bit of fat at the end. Yeah. Fat's so important, especially for a natural bodybuilder. You know, sure. I mean, I really feel that like that, that I think it makes a big difference, you know, sure. right? Like fat, cholesterol, you know, good, some good meat, some good saturated fat. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, testosterone has a cholesterol backbone, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you're, if your fats are low, you're just missing out on some of the main precursors for testosterone. So, you know, if you're not taking exogenous tests, then yeah, like, and you're, and then your fats are super low, you're kind of, you know, you're definitely shooting yourself in the foot here. So um, I, I think fats are important. Um, but I love carbs. I tell people, they're like, how many carbs do you eat when you get lean? I said, as many as I can. <laughs> right. And so like, you know, so like that's kind of, so in the off season, what's your, what would be a normal carb amount? And can you please address the people that say you shouldn't eat carbs and fats? in the same meal. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that's crazy. I mean, I think that's kind of, that's <laughs> kind of bro science, right? Like, but maybe the other way, like I just, I don't get too worked up over that. I do think meal timing makes sense. Yes. And I am a fan of the bro window, yeah. the window the Perry workout nutrition. I love the bro window, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, we that's not, you know, that, pro- you know, that's not a bro window, right? That's like a, that's a real window. You know that, right? I'm telling, there are people out there. I'm telling you that will tell you it's, it's a 24 hour window. It's just whatever you take in the whole day. If you're training like a badass, And I think that's the difference. A lot of those people are the type that like, and again, this is, I'm not trying to knock anybody, but like, I'm going to do three and a half reps at 7.2 RPE mm. with a tempo of a, you know, four yeah. or five, you know, whatever, like it's like yeah. it's paralysis by analysis. They're overthinking everything. They're the same people that say, Oh, it doesn't matter. You don't need a post-workout shake. You don't need all this, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Right. And they wonder why they don't grow. But I just mean, um, I, I just mean there is a super saturation window there. Like the nutrient uptake while training is much higher. It's like been proven to be higher. So Pre- preaching to the choir, but I'm telling you, that's nope. not what a lot of people think. No, no, I know. But what I'm saying is it's not bro because bro would imply that science doesn't back it up. Oh, okay. I got so, you. I got so, you. Yeah, yeah. So no, I was saying. just kind of being facetious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the way you bro, use bro a lot. I actually kind of find it hilarious, but anyway, go, go on anyway. anyway. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, I've been, you know, called a bro many a times and I'm like, oh, that's cool with me. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I, I'm a big believer in peri-workout nutrition, you know, like having a good carbohydrate protein, like training fasted, I don't think really is necessary or super beneficial. Um, I believe in having a good meal an hour and a half, two hours before you train complex carbs, protein, you know, I'm, I, I believe in BCAs, EAAs, you know, during training, post-workout fast acting protein and carbs, you know, and then eating shortly after that. Like I, I truly believe that if you're training like a badass and you're training hard and really pushing yourself, if you don't do that, you're really missing out on gains. Yeah. Um, 
And that's something that, you know, that, that's a simple switch that, you know, when I was training a lot of people, like they would just do a post-workout. What do you do post-workout? Oh, you know, I drink a protein shake or something like that. I'm like, no, man. Like if you had to ask me if I could only have carbs or protein, I would probably take carbs post-workout. Yeah. yeah. Um, like you're really missing out on the recovery aspect of carbs if you don't do it. So like, I'm a huge believer in that, in that window. Um, and then, yeah, my carbs. So right now I would say right now I'm probably a little over 300 protein, probably 375 carb and probably 80 or so fat. Are those Not close? Like a normal. Are those close to the probably numbers? 3,400. Are they close to the numbers you'd be at when you were kind of really bodybuilding more? When I was younger, I was probably, you know, obviously my metabolism was a little bit higher. So those numbers would be a little bit higher than that. Um, yeah. Instead of like 3,400 calories a day, I would be probably 38, something yeah. like that when, when I'm growing. Uh, but now, man, if I was eating 3,800 calories a day now, I would just feel awful. Like yeah. I just, I just am not that, like I'm full all the time. Like I kind of at yeah. 34, 33, 3,400 calories, like I'm, I'm good. Like yeah. I don't need anything else. So yeah. When you're, when you're dieting, are you playing with the, actually first, before we go on in the off season, are you carb cycling at all? Or are you eating pretty steady numbers every day? No, I do drop my carbs a little bit on like a cardio only day or an off day or something like that, just because I'm not getting in that big bowl of the carbs probably post-workout. So yeah. like my carbs will come down a little bit. My cows will come down a little bit on my non-training days. Yeah. Um, I know some people will keep it steady on those days, but I just, I don't, I don't need it on those days. So, yeah. um, and yeah, but other than that, I'm, I'm not carb cycling. You know, I might inadvertently, like I said, on Friday night, go eat more sushi than I was planning to eat, but like, I don't really, uh, strategically carb cycle. Now when I'm dieting, yeah. Um, I, I definitely, you know, carb cycle. I'll usually start, um, at one point in time I was doing like a high, medium and low, and it was just kind of getting like the differences were kind of just getting a little bit gray between them. So then yeah. I would kind of switched to more like a, you know, five low and two high a week. And, and that would change just depending on my conditioning. Are those, um, are it, those, sorry, are those two high consecutive or on just like lagging days or how do you decide where you put your high days? I would usually split them up. You know, I'd probably put them on my, like my two leg days or something like okay. that. Okay. Um, but you know, as I would get more into a diet and I felt the need for kind of a quote unquote diet break, which isn't really a diet break, but yeah. you know, sometimes I would even t up my, lower my cardio, up my carbs, um, in calories for three or four days, like go a little bit above maintenance. If you yeah. do that for three or four days and you lower your cardio, I mean, man, you can bust through plateaus and you just feel amazing, especially yeah. as you get leaner. Yeah. Um, you know, so doing quote unquote little diet breaks in there, which it would be more than just one day at a time. Sure. is super beneficial and a little trick that I think a lot of people could utilize. I think people get scared to eat this is a part of oh, the problem, yeah. especially natural guys. Cause they're like, well, I have no assistance. Right. I mean, if you're enhanced, you have a little bit of help here and there, you can probably get away with a little bit more, but yep. I think as a natural guy, they just seem very, they terrified to eat. They don't want to eat anything. I'm going to put on more weight. So you're saying that little bit of a break is good for them. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's important, especially for natural guys to take more time to diet for a show. Like I'll do, I'll set it up like 24 weeks wow. um, for, for a show. Yeah. And that gives me more time. Like I want to be ready at like five weeks out. I want to look good. Then I can throw in some diet breaks and man, I'll tell you like my last time competing, um, it was awesome because I was, 
pretty much ready at like five weeks out. And like my cows were coming up. My cows were like higher than they were at like 15 weeks out as I was going into a show. Like I just became so much more efficient. I was like a freaking machine. And you know, my cows were coming up. I was at like 3000 calories a day, still losing weight. And I was, and because of that, my energy and my training was amazing. Even at like two weeks out. Um, whereas in the past I would kind of time it where I was like getting ready more like a week or two out and that just doesn't give you as much time. And, uh, eating up into a show is just, if you can do it is definitely the way to go. Well, it's a lot easier to peak that way too. Cause now you're eating, you're you're not really doing that whole deplete carb load thing. You're kind of like your body's already humming along, right? You just kind of walk on at that point. So what, uh, how low first, how much cardio would you do in your dieting? What's the max amount you would get to? The max probably at, and this is probably, so I'll just take the last time I competed. So the max cardio was probably around eight weeks out. So no, I know, you but, think about it. but like how much so like, in, yeah, a, in a day would yeah. you do? And so at that point in time, I was probably doing about walking on an incline, you know, 10, 10 incline, three, three speed for no more than an hour. Um, and probably six days a week. Okay. An hour total or split like two half hour sessions. Oh no. no. Oh no. Just, I would knock it out at once. I would just, just I would usually probably do it in the morning. Like I do a shake of protein then do cardio, eat breakfast, maybe eat another meal and then go train if I had an ideal world. And so I just knock it out in the morning and that was probably, you know, only for like a week or two, I was at that level. And like I said, that was kind of further out because I wanted to get ready ahead of time. Yeah. And so you know, so maybe, you know, five or six hours a week, um, would be pretty much max. So, and how low would your calories get before you'd start ramping up? I think the last time I got them down to probably about 2,300, 2,400 was at probably a, the lowest. At a body weight of what? 190 or 200? Uh, yeah. Around 200. Yeah. 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 So, so, I mean, it was, it wasn't a lot of, I mean, I was, and I, you know, I was training so hard at the time, like, you know, I was suffering. I was definitely yeah. suffering. Can I tell you what I find very interesting about talking to guys at your level? What's that? You, you guys are exactly the same as us. Like the stuff you said just now is the only mm-hmm. difference is you have to take more time, right? Like yeah. you starting 24 weeks, but I even know like Nick Walker, for example, um, he's a pro doing a show in the next few months. He just started his diet at 20 weeks out. So, I mean, there's not... And he's going to come in amazing. I yeah. mean, I'm telling you, these guys that take the more time, man, he's going to, he's going to crush it. Yeah. But I, I just find it funny that there's so many young guys out there that they'll turn on this channel for advice or some other pro bodybuilder, an IFBB pro bodybuilder for advice. And then when you try and give them advice, the first thing they say is, well, you're enhanced. You don't, you know, I'm different. And I'm like, yeah, there's a difference, but I don't know the more great natural bodybuilders I talk to, the more I realize other than the time difference that it takes to either build muscle or burn fat, the strategies aren't very different. I I agree with that. I mean, and that's kind of the approach I, I took. I mean, it, and like I said, when I first got into bodybuilding, who was I learning from? It, yeah. was, it was like Ronnie, right? Like yeah. I would read his flex magazine and I'd go try to kind of do his workouts and, you know, eat his food or, you know, something like yeah. that. And so yeah. like at the end of the day, the, the, physiology in both of our bodies are the same. Now one would be enhanced and multiplied, right? But the same ideas, the same stimulus will stimulate in a certain way, right? Like the same recovery methods will recover in a certain way, regardless if you're taking drugs or staying natural. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, 
A lot of naturals are guilty, too guilty of overthinking it and setting limitations on themselves because they are natural. Just don't think about it. Yeah. You know what works and what doesn't work, right? Like, and just put your, put intensity into it and not worry that you're natural. Your body will tell you you're natural, right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. like you'll know when you're hitting your limits or, you know, you can't bench as much as the guy who's enhanced. Um, but like, don't have that mindset going into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to get into some business stuff. So, sure. you, so you started coaching, um, as a bodybuilder, obviously had a successful coaching business, but you dropped it all for what, what was the first business that you turned to and why did you leave your coaching business? So the first business that I actually started was actually core nutritionals, which is like our main business. Now I started that back in 2004 with like okay. a 10, that actually it was a $20,000 investment. We made a meal replacement because I was right. working my day job and right. I was eating myoplex packets. Do you remember them yeah, from back yeah. in the day? Yeah, they, were they were gross. They are gross. Yes. Gro- gross, <laughs> well, like well, shitty, shitty protein. And they had like, it was just all Malto, right? It was, it was just all Malto. Chalky, yeah. chalky as fucking like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So that was my meal replacement because, you know, I had to eat, I had to be a bro working in the corporate world. So I needed those. And so like, um, I took, I took that money and, um, you know, started this company and like, it was just, it was just a hobby, right? Like yeah. found a manufacturer, like our labels looked like they were printed on an inkjet, you know, like it was just, <laughs> it didn't really do much. Right. And then I yeah. became more successful and it was literally just a side gig. And I was literally just making products that I wanted to take yeah. because I didn't think there was good stuff on the market. Yep. And so, you know, that really started taking off actually when I became more successful in natural bodybuilding. Um, so that was probably the first one. And then I got into some coaching as I started winning shows and I was just, it was like word of mouth, more local. And then I was winning, winning bigger shows. I started training people from all over the world, but you know how it is like bodybuilders are pretty needy and it's a lot, you know, it's hard sometimes. I feel like, um, you know, a psychologist and all that on top of everything. And it just, uh, it was very taxing, um, I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed them to getting to experience the kind of the thrill of competing as well. But like, it was just too much because at the same time in 2000, um, what year was that? 2010, we opened our first retail store. So we have 10, we're about to open our 10th store in Virginia. Can I back, can I stop you for one second? So you actually, so you actually launched your first product before your coaching business started. Oh yeah. 2005. Okay. So I had it it backwards. Okay. Yeah, and then I started coaching probably around the 2007 time period. I, I yeah. was like, oh, there's, I mean, there really wasn't a coaching industry before that. I never knew what yeah. a coach was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there really wasn't, you know, I had to figure out everything on my own and researching on the internet and doing all of that and making all those mistakes. So there really wasn't a big coaching industry then. And so like, I really got into it probably around 2007. So I had the core supplement then in 2007 started coaching all the same time. I was still doing my day job. In 2010, we opened our first retail store for a couple of reasons. One is because there was no good, like I'm using the term again, the bro stores out there that were, you know, had great pricing, a big selection and really good service and knowledgeable people. So I was like, man, we have to put one in here. So this was downtown in in Arlington, a really busy area in right outside of DC. And um, so we opened our first store, you know, really because they're just like, just like why I started the supplement company, I felt like there wasn't anything out there that I wanted to use at the time. There yeah. wasn't a retail experience that I wanted to be a part of at the time. And so, so we opened our first. But, but sorry to interrupt again. What, what was, what is the retail store? What's it called? So the retail stores are the nutrition corners. So that, okay. that's the parent, it's the nutrition corners. 
but they all have like a city associated with them. So we opened Arlington Nutrition Corner yeah. and there's Newport News Nutrition Corner, Virginia Beach Nutrition Corner. So what is know, the difference? Um, what is the difference if I walk into Nutrition Corner versus Popeye or versus Vitamin Shop? So we go best brands, best prices, best service. And what we mean by that is we carry a lot of brands that wouldn't be in a vitamin shop or a GNC. Best prices, we price every day at internet, internet like, you know, map pricing. We price yeah. as cheap as we possibly can in, in an in-store retail experience. Yeah. And then the big thing is the knowledge, right? People sure. that actually know the products. And, and for me, it was big because um, I didn't have that many places. I mean, I got with bodybuilding.com and like DPS Nutrition early on for core, but I didn't have that many brick and mortars at the time. So I was like, shoot, I'll just open up my store and, you know, you know, we sell a decent amount of core because I, you know, when it's right for the customer through our stores as well. So it was kind of like, I started vertically integrating a little bit into, you know, you know, core sells to the nutrition corners that then sell to, yeah. So you kind of have it like a double margin there. You don't have, you don't, uh, I just realized you don't have my brand. We have to talk about that because you said best best brands. So I think we probably fit into that category, (laughs) category a little bit. Your, your name has come up. So like we should definitely talk. We'll talk about that anyway, going back. So you have the nutrition stores, what other businesses did you open up from there? So that is kind of expanded. We kind of opened up them throughout the years. Like I said, we're opening our 10th one this year and can yeah. probably are going to do a couple more this year. And then um, we're, we're in Virginia right now. Uh, we are moving our headquarters for the brand to North Carolina. So we'll probably start opening them in North Carolina as well. Mm-hmm. So we also started some other brands. So in 2017, we started America Labs and then we started our energy yeah. drink company, America Energy which we're kind of going through a little bit of a rebrand there. And then in 2019, um, I started a influencer based brand, uh, with Julian Smith. Do you know who Julian yeah. is? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's arms race nutrition. So we are a GNC exclusive brand. Um, and we sell direct to consumer, but a GNC exclusive brand. And the idea here was, you know, Julian and I think very much alike on certain things, you know, we didn't want to create an influencer brand that people bought just because it was Julian's brand. We, yeah. I, I said like, listen, if we're going to do this, we have to do it sticking to the principles of all our brands. And that's literally, you know, efficacious. I mean, you know, like your, yeah. your brand, right? Efficacious doses, uh, well thought out formulas based on the research, things that give the consumer a great experience and will allow people to come back and continue to yeah. purchase. Yeah. So we kind of did that no compromising type brand, you know, um, with GNC and it's, it's been awesome so far. So uh, that's just kind of been a different, a little bit of a different model from our other supplement brands. Um, But so far so good. It's been, it's been amazing. So explain to me why the other, I mean, I understand why you did arms race. Why America labs, where did that come from? And why instead of of just like uh, just expanding on core, you know what I mean? Yeah. So in 2000 and think about this time period, right? It was, uh, late 2016, it was during all the crazy election. It was Hillary and Trump yeah, and right. Yeah. Like it was this crazy time period. Well, at the same time period, all that the political stuff was going on, um, in our retail stores. So I think at the time we might've had seven stores, six or seven stores. There was a surge of really shitty brands coming onto the market yeah. that had, I don't want to say great. I would say decent marketing, but they were kind of off the wall. Like, you know, like a, there's a skull with a snake going through it and, yeah, you know, yeah. some crazy stuff like that or some I, apocalypse looking thing. Right. I know like, some of them. Yeah. 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 So, and you know, our guys are trained to engage and have a conversation and make things personal with their consumer, but some people just don't want to be bothered. They just, they just don't. 
And so they would walk into a store and they might buy a product because of the label or the catchiness or that snake or the skull or something on there. Yeah. But we would find that they would never come back and buy it again because it was a shitty product, you know, a proprietary blend, just a ton of stems, all that. So I was like, like, wait a second, you know, we can do this using the same principles, our same core principles, no pun intended, really our same core principles that we started 15 years, 15 years prior, back in 2004, 2005. Um, And, but at the same time, go a little hardcore on the marketing, go a little bit over the top, do stuff that would maybe catch somebody's attention. And so we launched in January, 2017, America Labs with a, we are a patriotic brand. We're not a political brand. It was a satirical kind of take on it, but our formulas were awesome. Like everything was over the top America, right? Yeah. Uh, We're going actually through a little bit of a rebrand this year. We're kind of repositioning that a little bit, but, um, the idea was to create that kind of that marketing driven brand mm-hmm. uh, that was a little bit over the top, a little bit, uh, a little bit more controversial, I guess, sure. than your core. People know core. Core is yeah. like the clean brand, you know, like that's yeah. the the hardcore, you know, like, and yeah. so we wanted to do something a little bit more niche because of the consumers that we were seeing actually in our retail store. And it just, yeah. it took off. And so like, it is difficult. I'll be honest with you. We have three different, you know, supplement brands here. And so like, yeah. it's, it's not easy because there, you have to, you know, Mondays we have meetings, you know, back to back to back, but we have to separate everything. We have, you know, like yeah. our core meeting and then we have our America labs and America energy and our arms race and everything. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. So like, yeah, there is no balance sometimes that's for sure. It's tough because you want people to understand that marketing is great, but it's not like I've seen your core nutritionals and it looks great but you're right. It's not heavy marketing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, but you want people to look at that and go, this is, this is the real thing. Like, this is what you really want. So it's a shame so, that you have to create that gimmicky product. You know what I mean? Like to go yeah, that so route. it's a little bit different. And so that our big thing, our passion comes down to the science and the product, right? Like yeah. we were really one of the first people like Nutribio's back, back in the day, like when we're talking 2004 and 2005, people weren't doing non-prop lens. I mean, yeah. this is, this is like OG stuff here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so w- we are super passionate about that. Even in our influencer brand, like we're never going to, you know, compromise on the quality and just putting the best stuff in there. But yeah, but so we wanted to hit those consumers that weren't used to experiencing the quality of those types of products, which really, to be honest with you, the market is demanding these days. That's, yeah, oh yeah. You, you just, that's just a, like, if you don't have that, you, you can't even start. Now you need great everything on top of it. Yeah. Um, core, I would say is more of a community based brand. Okay. So like we have an incredible, uh, ambassador program and we've created like this community. It's kind of like the crush it family. Yeah, that's yeah. our slogan. Yeah. And we've created a really good niche. I mean, we have a Facebook group of all our ambassadors that are super positive and encouraging. And like, um, we just have this, just this awesome, like family feel with core. It's more kind of like you're wholesome. Yeah. And then you got kind of like the rebel child. That's like the America labs. And then you have yeah. arms race, which is a whole other beast. So it's like, yeah. they do play well off each other. Like it's a, they are, they stick to the same principles, but they do. There is a different marketing tactic different feel, to, yeah. for both of them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we expect moving forward? Just, are you working on anything new or are you just working on those three brands or is there something else? Come of coming up and the pipeline. my people the people here think i'm crazy because i'm always thinking of something else right yeah. um our big move this year we're actually going to be getting into the gym scene a little bit 
Okay. Uh, we plan to open at least one, maybe two gyms this year. And these are passion projects, man. These are not like, I want to be the next planet fitness. Like these are yeah. going to be gym gyms. Yeah. And, um, so we are, our big thing is we're moving our headquarters from Northern Virginia. We're located in Sterling right now to we're we bought a building in land and we're kind of gutting and redoing completely. And it's going to be right next to one of our main manufacturers in North Carolina. Yeah. So as we did that, um, that's just an incredible opportunity. Like the mortgage on this beautiful brand new building that we're going to be doing is going to be half the price of where we are now. Yeah. But the big thing is the synergies being right next to our manufacturer is what we're really looking forward to. Yeah. So we're opening a gym there as well. Um, we have some other ideas for expanding the the retail side of things. And then um, core, we did a complete rebrand re last year. We launched like a hundred over a hundred SKUs in 2020. Wow. Like it was insane. And like wow. that, that brand's on a rocket ship. We're kind of doing a rebrand for America this year. And then we're really just, believe it or not, even after GNC's bankruptcy, we're really strengthening our relationship with GNC on the arms race side. So, um, you know, people talk shit about GNC, but if, if, if they can understand your vision and you guys get aligned on certain things, you know, the GNC now is not the GNC that it was, you know, five yeah. years ago. Yeah. And, uh, we're super excited about the future and really taking over a big space of GNC for the arms race brand. So yeah. there's just a lot of things we're relaunching our energy drink in 2021. So like I'm constantly busy, you know, and, but I love it. You know, I don't even think it's work. I mean, I mean, you know, like running okay. these businesses, I mean, it's fun. Like it can yeah. be fun if you're really passionate about it. It's, I mean, it's just, it's just a ball. And so all the stresses that come with it and there are stresses, I just kind of let them roll off now and just am grateful for the opportunity to do what I love for a living. What's the first thought you have? Uh, I'm not going to keep you very much longer because we've gone over, over time. It's all good. But what's uh, being so business minded, but also family orientated. What's the first thought that goes through your head when you wake up in the morning? Oh, that's it. I don't want to, I don't want to wake up. You don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> yeah, like, I really don't want to wake up. Yeah. Like I set my alarm pretty early. I roll over. I'm guilty. Like I, yeah. I could tell you some motivational stuff you're supposed to do first thing in the morning. I roll over and I'm just like, I start looking at my phone and I start scrolling. And <laughs> so like there's, there's areas where I need to improve too, but um, do you do, do you wait? Do you do that though? Do you grab, do you wake up and grab I your do. phone and scroll for half an hour? I, before you uh, not up. quite a half an hour, a good 15 minutes. So like if I know I got to be up at like six o'clock, I'll set it for five 45. Cause I know I need 15 minutes to just like, yep. see what the heck happened overnight. Because like my email is pretty ridiculous. Think about all those businesses all funneling to one email yep. and it's just insane. So I just need to kind of get set for the day. All right. Is this going to be a crazy day or am I good? And also I need a little bit of time. The older I get, man, waking up at five 30. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not as fun. I've heard um, I've heard from other business people that the scroll is a, is a bad thing to do. The first thing, first thing you should do oh. is not, not scroll. First thing you should do is get yeah. out of bed and do something yeah. else, then scroll. Well, that's why I said, I could tell you a lie and be all motivational and shit. But <laughs> I'm just like, and again, it's not like an Instagram scroll, right? Like, it's not like that. It's like, it's literally I go to my email and I go to, we have a communication app for our companies it's called Slack, where we kind of look at all like, so I can see what's happening and what's communicating, yeah. how people are, the stores are communicating. So I'll yeah. check that and I'll check the numbers for the day before and stuff okay. like that. So it's not okay. like, I'm just like, Oh man, like so you're not on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean like that's, you know, but honestly, like I, I'll tell you this is one thing that COVID did for me this year was it gave me a little bit of a reset and I just, 
you know, before I would get guilty of sometimes working late when literally I'm the boss, I don't need, I don't need to be here necessarily past a certain time, but like, especially Mondays, I'd be here till seven, seven thirty, and stuff like, and COVID really kind of reset me. And I, ever since COVID hit, I've made it a priority. I leave here at four 30 and I'm home for dinner, sit down dinner with my two kids and wife every night of the week, Yeah, every night. Yeah. And I, that from four 30 to seven 30, when the kids go to bed, that's their time. Right. Yeah. Like, and that for me is crucial. And I, I almost get, and this is going to sound corny, but this kind of goes back to your relationship or your, your question about what do you first think of when you wake up in the morning? But when I'm driving home at night at, you know, between four 30 and five o'clock, I'm so excited to see my family. Like, and I know that sounds cheesy and my wife won't even listen to this podcast. Trust me. She yeah. just won't. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying it just for her. Like, I really get excited to see my family and sit down with them at dinner. And they're only four and seven now. It's only going to get more crazy, you know, as they go to older. So, yeah. um, and the more that I keep that in perspective and I have, you know, like they've become um, such a big part of my life, the easier kind of all this other stuff gets. Cause at the end of the day, I don't get worked up over dumb shit. I don't yeah. even get worked up over, you know, finance aspects or thing or something goes terribly wrong with the business and, uh, whatever it might be, we, we, some product expired or got destroyed or whatever, you know, like it's only money. Like I still have my family. And so like, um, they're the number one driver right now for me. So is that your, your one thing every day? Like everybody has one thing every day. So your one thing every single day is I got almost lost you. Are you there? Yeah. You're, you're a little, oh, you're back now. You're good. Um, I gotcha. Yeah. So your one thing every day that you have to do is I got to be home for dinner. That's it. Training? Is training? Do you ever miss training or no? Oh, well, that's it. That's it too. So I do that. That's, that's a must. So I do that. So I used to be, I used to like training. Oh, you froze. Okay. Doug, are you there? Wait, you froze for a second there. Yeah. So nowadays for me, training in the morning is the way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I, I get it done as soon as I get into the office. Uh, like our gym is here. So like I get it done yeah. here and uh, that's yeah. the best way to get it done. Uh, okay. Listen, it, it's been an hour and a half. We're having a little bit of technical issues now. So I apologize for keeping you over the time. Oh, it's all good, man. It's been fun. Um, I appreciate you coming on and giving some people some perspective on uh, natural bodybuilding and businesses and all the rest too. So thank you so much for your time, Doug. I think um, absolutely. we should talk though, because uh, I'd like to get hostile on board with your stores too. So we'll talk about this after maybe. Absolutely. Okay, man. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thanks. Yep. I appreciate it. Have a good day, man. Yep. You too.